Hey, are you tired of a bunch of Tom Cruises coming down on a wire to steal all your files, like in Mission Impossible, the first one, which is the fourth best Mission Impossible movie? Well, why don't you give a care with Backblaze? What's Backblaze? It's unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs. Backblaze backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, files, whatever you need. You can access it from anywhere in the world for just $5 a month. You can even get a 15-day free trial. Just visit backblaze.com slash nerdistwriters so they know where you came from and you'll support this show. Backblaze.com slash nerdistwriters. Start protecting all of your most important files today and say, take that, Tom Cruise. Weird Al Yankovic, Sarah Watkins, Doug Benson, Ahmed Best, Janina Gavankar, Busy Phillips, Open Mike Eagle, the composer of Rogue One, Michael Giacchino, and even more people are going to be performing at the Join the Resistance Star Wars-themed book release slash benefit for public counsel, a nonprofit organization who provides pro bono legal services to underrepresented communities in Los Angeles. This is also uh, a celebration of the new book that Ben Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It's the first in a series, and it's Star Wars canon. It's about a bunch of kids who join the resistance against the First Order. As I said, Weird Al, Doug Benson, this is going to be a super fun show. Our pal Matt Gorley of Super Ego uh, wrote a song years ago called Stormtroopers Are People Too, and we're going to be doing some stuff with that. It's going to be a lot of fun. March 8th at Largo at the Coronet. Go to Largo-LA.com for details. We hope you can join us for what will be a fun evening and a good cause. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, liking the Writers Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writers Panel with Ben and it's starting now. Oh yeah! Here we are, uh, John. How do you say your last name? 
Bokenkamp. Bokenkamp. Yep. John, you are the creator of The Blacklist. Yes. <laughs> the creator of think the about spin-off. That. Right. Uh, yes, one of, yeah. That's great. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. People have been demanding you on this show Oh, that's for very cool. Years. Oh, great. Uh, Blacklist is in what? It's fourth season? We're in our fourth season right, right now, yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me, so, so we're here, it's the TCAs are going on, which means you don't get to be in the office right now. Right. Uh, but you guys are, the show is running. Like, you're, how many episodes yeah. are you doing this season? Well, we're doing, on the Blacklist, we're doing 22, mm-hmm. and on Redemption, we're doing 8, so it's 30, sure. which, like, 22 makes me feel like I should jump off the roof, so 30 is, like, panic city. Nobody but, does 22 anymore. Yeah, it's wild, you know, when I like, like, I, I don't watch really uh, much <laughs> network TV, and so all the things I watch are, you know, cable shows, 10 episodes, a Netflix thing here and there, right. and I'm like... Well, yeah, if you're doing 10 episodes, that sounds like vacation. That sounds great. I'm sure the, you know, the work fills the time allotted. So I'm sure that you know, uh, those things are just as difficult to do. But the demand of 22 is, is, is wild. You know? it's, it's difficult. I can't imagine. How, uh, how does the show come together? How big is your staff? And have you had kind of the same staff over these four seasons? It's changed. We've had people who've been with the show from the beginning. But we have one, two, three, four. We probably have ten or twelve writers. Not um, huge for no. Again, it's not. That many it's episodes. not. It's not big. Um, well, it, it, maybe it is big. I don't know. I'm sure there are <laughs> a lot of other shows that are like you know, three or four writers. You know, but um, uh, you know, it, there, there's a core group of us. Who, uh, you know, uh, Eisendraft, myself, and Luke Ryder and Rick Orsi, who sort of you know talk about stuff. You know, does this feel like an episode? Does it not? All the other writers are obviously constantly pitching ideas and coming up with great stuff, and we couldn't do it without them. But that seems like there's a little bit of a quorum with the four of us, mm-hmm. and there's, a, you know, a group of, you know, everyone else sort of comes in, and it's funny. Like, some people are some people are great at doing the draft and not great at breaking the story. Other people are just, like, story machines and not as good at the draft, and some people are, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, I, from the feature side of things you just sit there alone and you keep reworking it until it's it's done and you're sort of on your own it's been very unusual to to have a team of people to talk about and you know to talk with ideas about and kick stuff around my wife loves that I don't <laughs> ask her about all the you know what about this story problem if you're trying to get out of a room and so, you know she's like okay great go talk to them about it but it's uh, but it's great yeah so we are in the we're breaking episode uh, 17 right now. We finished episode 15 in script. There's still a few notes. 16 is being written. 17 we're breaking, and 18 we have an idea for. And then on the other show, we're writing episode 4 right now, and I heard we have an episode for 5. Uh, <laughs> uh, so um, it's, it becomes, as you get you know deeper into the season, a little... It's like the... You know, Lucille Ball eating the, yeah. the chocolates. You're trying to keep the, everything on the conveyor belt, and, and the schedule slowly, uh, like a snowball behind you, comes for you. So at a certain point in the season, you start falling desperately behind, yeah. and that's kind of where we are at the I moment. Am, I'm curious. I mean, you touched on you know having a background as a feature writer. And yeah. You're not a guy who came up in TV. Not so at all. So wouldn't know sort of the the things that are in place for right. making a TV show, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you were, were put with a great staff who, yep. who had did know the TV production stuff, but how was that adjustment for you in suddenly having a, a brain trust? Yeah, well, it was sort of... Um, I think I was just so terrified that I didn't really, sure. kn- you know, uh, know any other way about doing it. I, I, I have a weird... So I have a bit of a weird... Uh, not story, but my, my entry point into the whole thing, like you said, I, you know, I wrote movies for 12 or 14 years and 
you know, they get made or they don't. And like everybody, you write stuff and something you love is still on a shelf or not. And, you know, and it's hard to, that's, I operated very alone, right? And I, mm-hmm. and I felt like um, uh, I'd never written TV. I loved Breaking Bad. I was the guy who, I moved back home to Nebraska where I'm from mm-hmm. in 2007. And my wife and I were like, we're done I can still write. I'll keep my cell phone, 818, nobody knows where I am. <laughs> and I'll just be the guy who lives in Nebraska, and I'll fly out for meetings and stuff. And so I was writing stuff. And then and then when, when I wrote uh, the, the Blacklist script and it, and it started to happen, it was like this ter- sort of terrifying, um, you know, uh, experience where all of a sudden I was supposed to be in L.A. and my family was in Nebraska and were casting and hiring writers and stuff, and I, and I, I had no context for it. So it yeah. was it was very weird, and all of the things that got done just got done in sort of a, you know, a fight or flight kind of like, okay, we just got to, you know, hunker down and get it done. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not super self aware about it. I'm kind of like I feel like we're coming out of it just enough that I can kind of process it mm-hmm. now. But but there but it's very different having support, you know, sure. and um, and and a staff to talk to because it's it, it really couldn't be done. I mean. It's just, it's, uh, I'm continually surprised by how collaborative it is, not just on the writing side, mm-hmm. but the producing of it and getting it out there. Even this is like, you know, the, at the TCAs is, you know, promoting the show. It's a whole, it's a huge machine, you know Absolutely. I mean? And there are a lot of pieces to it that, um, it's wild to see how it comes together. It's very different than <laughs> writing the independent movie, you know? Absolutely. And, so what was the impetus for writing the script in the first place? Uh, I just... You know, I, I after I moved back, I was a guy who, uh, you know, in when indie movies and stuff were coming out, like the phone would ring and it'd be like, hey, they want to meet on this job. And so I'd go and, and I, you know, there was a time there from like 95 or so to 2000 where it was like I could get jobs like doing a rewrite or something like that. And then like by the time 2000, and then, and then things started getting slow and the phone wasn't ringing as much. And I was like, well, I'm going to write something for myself. And, and I got to the point, and a lot of my other writer friends, I think, feel this way, where we're going into the room pitching for the same idea. I'm like competing against friends trying to get jobs. They're, the ideas are showing up in drafts and on screen. And you go, oh, did they use that? Okay, well, whatever. I guess I'll just overlook that. And, and it became very hard and very... Um, that coupled with the idea that I moved to Nebraska and then 2008, like the world melts down financially, I'm all of a sudden like, what am I doing? You know, and, and I was able to do, um, to sort of shift what I felt like the paradigm was of, of writing stuff because I'd been chasing jobs like, mm-hmm. hey, can I have this job? They'd pay me and then I'd go write it. And then I felt like, how cool would it be to be able to go to a script and and then go sell it and and, and sort of drive you know, feed my material versus chase down other jobs. Absolutely. And it, it wasn't like I was brave enough to go do that. There just were no other jobs. And I wasn't getting phone calls to go work on anything. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to write something of my own. I wrote a script that was, uh, that I still, one of those things that's on the shelf <laughs> that, um, that got, uh, the, the attention of, uh, Sony, and we were able to sell it, and, and Chris Carter was going to, uh, we were going to go out and do it, he was going to be the showrunner or the godfather of it, and, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen, it just didn't mm-hmm. work, and then out of that came a, a deal with Sony to say, okay, we'll either, part of the, the deal was, okay, we'll take your script, and if it doesn't sell, we'll, you know, you can keep the money, but you owe us another one, sure. and so thankfully that one didn't work, and I was like, oh, I owe them another idea, <laughs> and so that's where the that's where the blacklist came about. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, so that previous script, uh-huh. 
what do you think was different about it? That other than being TV, what do you think was different about it that sort of got you sort of different attention, renewed attention, whatever it was? Yeah, well, I don't know that it was a lot of attention, really, mm-hmm. because I, you know, I had a manager at the time, I had no agent, and, really? um, it, you know, it got, I don't know, I think, I, I love the story, I think, I think maybe, you know, my agents now maybe saw within the writing of it that they were like, okay, well, this is kind of cool, we like this, and, um, but I don't know, maybe it was just that it was very, as, as much as it's, it's you know, about, about a single mother who loses her husband, I, it was very personal. You know, mm-hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't the stuff that I had been doing, which had, was very, not, not formulaic, but, like, movies have to be now like a lunchbox and a, and a, and a video game and a T-shirt and merchandising and comic books and, and Four Quadrant and all this stuff. And it's just, it kind of, like, suffocates the process, you know, and this didn't have to be any of those things. This was just like a story I want to tell. So who cares if it's small? Who cares if right. it's not big enough? Or if they don't, we don't like this character. Maybe that was the thing that was different about it. I mean, there know? seems to be something to not chasing the marketplace. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was it had to have been a story you wanted to tell. Yeah, because you wrote the script without knowing what would happen to it. I think that's right, and I didn't know that I had started to do that. But that's a good way. To, that's a the right way of chasing the marketplace. <laughs> I guess that's what I was. I kind of found myself doing, and and I had wife and a kid and I'm like oh, I have to have a job yeah. and it was cool to be a writer and get hired to do a job at you know 25 and be like cool I have money right. to pay off my student loan but then to have a kid and a wife and, and, and a home and be like oh my god is this really sustainable as a yeah. job's a little spooky it's hard there is a difference between totally getting paid to do the thing and making a living doing it yeah and, and loving doing it too like sure. I, I, I love doing it and so but it wasn't as fun or good when I was being paid Knowing that it was like, well, it just it just sucks having to chase those sure. jobs, and it's hard know? to invest. I would imagine it is, and it ta- that's what I think. That's what makes it so hard. Is I'm not the guy who can not invest. Like mm-hmm. there are those guys who show up on set and do punch up stuff and do rewrites yeah. or do the two weeks. I I could I just couldn't do that, and it's not like I think I'm fancy for not being able to do it. I just couldn't. I'd love to be able to do that. I just I felt like I needed to pee on the tree enough that it became mine. <laughs> You know, and worth getting up for every day, and and um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to to sort of be outside of something and really do a great job at it. You know, absolutely. So yeah. with the blacklist, do you feel like you're? I mean, it seems a weird thing to say because again, it is a high concept. Yeah, and there's right. There are so many there's commercial aspects. There is a comic book to it, so yeah, it is weird. That's, so that's the irony of it. I guess. But are you are you telling a personal story? Yeah, very much so. How so? Very much so. Um, well, I think just that I'm not per- personal in the sense that I don't I'm not afraid what people think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if we get a studio note that that I disagree with or the network hates something, we'll have an argument about it and I I don't here's the really the thing. Like when when the show started and I was living in Nebraska and I for a year year and a half came out here and 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 was super fortunate by the way. Like I, it was it was great more having a show and there's but I was away from my family, and I was away from everything I cared about. And for the first time for me, I, I really didn't care. Like, I was like, if you fire me, I get to go home. Like, that's great, you know? Go have your show. I, my name's on it. I'll get paid something. And so what do I care? And, and it, it was just, it's too hard mm-hmm. to do to have it be miserable or have it be something that I don't want to be. So in that sense, I feel like... You know, and coming to the blacklist and coming back and, and, and having something being made, 
I, there's an incredible freedom in really not caring what anybody thinks about it, you know? Sure. So it's personal that I'll tell a story if I see, if I hear a name that makes me laugh or if there's a, a story that happened to me when I'm a kid, I get to say that. And I may have to debate it with Spader or, mm-hmm. or, or Eisendrath. And I, you know, there's, there's obviously checkpoints to make sure it's not just some kooky, uh, kooky show. But, but in that way, it's incredibly freeing in a way mm-hmm. that I can say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, when I get, when I get notes on a, a script and a feature, I'm sitting there writing them all down or they send them and I kind of go through and I check them all off or I write, okay, I did that one or done. I remember doing that. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's not, and I just, I didn't ever click to me that, that you could just say no. Sure. It, it was very sort of freeing. So it's personal in that way. Mm-hmm. Have you received in, in working with, you know, you have a studio, you have a network and you have these sort of big actors who I'm right. sure have notes as well. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we talk about notes often as a negative thing, but they can be a helpful sure. thing, too. Can you, can, can you talk about how they've been helpful to you? Well, um, yeah, I, I, I feel, well, for example, we're talking, we're, we're promoting, you know, redemption. Mm-hmm. And Tom Keene's a character who died in the pilot. And we got, it wasn't technically a, a studio note, but as we were pitching it, the guy uh, at TNT who we were pitching it to was like, that's kind of a cool character. Maybe you shouldn't kill him. And so in the parking lot on the way out, it's like, maybe we should do that. That's a good idea. So I feel like, I, you know, I don't really care where the idea comes from. If it's the intern or it's, you know, the president of the network, like if it's a good idea and it resonates with you, it, it, it works. But, you know, I think, I think in terms of specifics, I think the humor is always something. The humor in the blacklist is something that I never, I was far too serious. And, you know, uh, Spader is so weird. He just has a good sense of humor, you know? And so I can write stuff that he, you know, sort of, sort of the weirdness of that, the, the comedy of the character, mm-hmm. although it's a very dark show, is, um, is something that would not have been there had it not been, not a note, but an idea. Sure. Really more from him than anyone, That's you great. know? Yeah. And, I th- and people have obviously responded to it, but you yeah. also, you know, you knew that it, the, the, the show could withstand that, could withhold that. Yeah, I think so. Well, that was one of those things where it's like, uh, do you do we do this or not? We had an instance where we hired this character, Mr. Kaplan, who was like Red's cleanup person. And we found uh, this woman, Susan Blumar, who plays the character. And she's an old, older woman, little glasses, you know, looks like a sort of a, you know, substitute teacher in, in kindergarten and, and couldn't really hone her own, hold her own with the bad guys. And there were a lot of people who thought it was, were pissed about it before we cast it. It's like, yeah, we're not doing that. That is not... And we were just like, yeah, we're going to do it. She's going to be great. And she's great. I love casting her. You know, Glenn's a character on the show that we do that with. Who He's great. He's, he's super different, has his own sort of... His own vibe. And that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it not like every other show, I hope. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and I think, again, this is what people respond to. Mm. Right? They want yeah. to see... They want to see that voice on the screen. I think you can feel it, right? When Absolutely. somebody's... And you can feel what's like what's merchandise driven versus what's mm-hmm. sort of personal. Yeah, um, and it seems like I mean having this sort of democracy of ideas yeah. is the thing that you know good showrunners have. It, but it also means you have to have a very clear idea of what your show is, uh, and part of that is painting the target for yeah. your staff and your collaborators. Right. So, how were you able to do that? Well, especially early it's on. Funny. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we have. Very early on, I remember where I was standing, where I was talking to Eisendrath about this, and I went and had a conversation with Spader about what I thought the show was and what it could be. And 
we've just always kind of been working toward, I know you're not supposed to have an endpoint. You want TV to be on forever, right? Like I, I went, I remember I went and pitched an idea once and, and I was like, and when it ends, it'll be great. And the guy was a TV agent goes, don't ever pitch an ending. TV never ends. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's kind of weird. But I do have an end in mind and who knows if we'll end up there or not. But it's like, it's what we're aiming for and it, it's what gives us a clear target, or as, as you say, as we're working, because I don't know how else to do it. Like, mm. if, if I'm working on a thriller, and that's most of the, the other stuff I've written is all mostly thrillers, it's like, you gotta know the magic trick and then work backwards, you know? I don't know how M. Night Shyamalan writes, like, uh, you know, The Sixth Sense without knowing where he's going. You can't just kind of wing it. So for me, it's very mathematical, and, and you sort of try to space out how long it takes to get there, and and, um, and sort of stretch it without feeling like we're stalling, but yeah, there is an endpoint, and um, I think it'll be fantastic. You know, I don't know who, who knows. Uh, you know, who knows if we get there or not. But I, uh, but it's it's been a guiding light for us, and it's been very cool. You know, that's great. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to me that again, coming from features and and writing thrillers, that right. you would approach TV with both a procedural element and a sort of open ended, serialized element. Well, that's interesting. Neither yeah. of which fit with. Yeah, or features, right? That's interesting. I guess that's right. A procedural or an opening. <laughs> that's that's true. Well, I guess there's a procedural element to a co- you know to a detective movie, sure. to a DOA or something yeah. like that. I guess there's it's the formula bit. that I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of. It's like in a feature, you kind of get to do something different. Yeah. in every right. complete story. Right. But in this, it's there is something. There is a, a formula that you have to follow. Well, there is a little bit, and that to me is the thing I don't really care about. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't really watch. You know, that's the least interesting thing. I don't watch cop shows. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in that sort of stuff. Um, just because it is, you, you can feel the formula. You can feel the business of we're aiming for this many episodes, and we get syndication, and like, and that. That's. I think that's one of the things that's been, again, interesting in trying to find the voice of what the show is. Mm-hmm. Is that. I feel like each one's a little movie. Like, one's a, a spy thriller. Well, one episode of The Blacklist, like, I always ask the room, like, what's the poster? You know, like, it's a it's a horror film with the creepy guy in the woods, or it's a spy thriller with the sexy woman in the dress and the guy in the tuxedo and it's James Bond, or it's the, it's the M. Night Shyamalan movie that's, like, you know, sort of mystical and eerie. So that, to me, becomes, like, the procedural. That we're like, okay, every, we'll have a case of the week, we'll have a bad guy, but, like, how do we dress it up and have it be fun and yeah. different, you know? That's a great way to think about it. Yeah, it, it helps. Yeah. I would imagine. And and you probably, I would imagine, have a diverse room who, yeah. you know, they must have all kinds of backgrounds. Yeah. What, uh, what was the thought putting together the room in any season or, or <clears throat> what were um, we looking for? Well, I, I wasn't looking for anything. <laughs> I was just looking for help because uh, right. I, again, I, I've never done this. I, did, I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how many writers I was just like as many writers as we can get let's just get as many people you know and to Eisendrath's credit his he has worked in TV for 30 years and has a lot of relationships and I think especially early on finding people that it's less about the, the the writing of what's on the page and more about it's not nepotism but there's a little bit of like oh I know that guy I worked with him on this other show or of somebody can vouch for somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like the mob. You know, it's like, yeah, I know that guy, and he did really great on that other show. So that's sort of what's worked more for us, where we've had success is where somebody knows somebody, and, and then we can read it, and it's great, but, you know, it, it's it's hard, you know. I know, you know, my first feature I took three years to write, and I'm and my, and the first, the other TV thing I was talking about was, I'm sure was, you know, uh, half a year, a year. Mm-hmm. So I personally know I can <laughs> sit there and work as long as I want on a script, 
and, and turn it into somebody to try to get a job. But then when I got to go do it in five days, yeah. it, it's hard to judge somebody just on the writing alone. Sure. You know, I well, think absolutely. personalities and how you get yeah. along and, and also just what your sensibilities are, I think, is something that, you know, if I start talking to somebody and, and they're like, oh, yeah, and I loved Parallax View and what about that? Thing? And you can kind of vibe. It's like, you know, <laughs> if it's working or not, that I think is something that you can't really, it's a little more intangible, but is something that's been important for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the stuff, like, like you say, like, they can be good on the page, but it is that meeting that shows whether or not you're going to get along I in think the room. So. Probably because you're going to be sitting in a room a lot, Absolutely. and you got to get along, and you got it's got to be fun, and it's got to be. I mean, the minute it's not fun, uh, and I'm, there have been moments, but <laughs> but for the most part, it's like I'm just. I, I know I'm super lucky to be able to do it, and so when when we're sitting there and 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 we're just trying to surprise ourselves, and that's when I think you know you're in good shape is where. Like, I have a hard time keeping pace with John, with Spader, with... Like, I've, I'm, I feel like I'm always the last guy, usually, in other things in my life. I'm always the last one to bed. The, I always feel like I'm the hardest working one. And, and the, the staff, and really, it, it's trying to keep pace with other people creatively yeah. is kind of cool. It's like, wow, I'm, uh, that's a great idea. I got to... Can I top that or let's use that? Let's put the ego aside. It's, it's, it's you really... want people better than you. Yeah, totally. To work with. Totally. Yeah. yeah, that's where we've been super lucky. That's great. Yeah, um, it really what is. So what does it look like breaking a story? You know, yeah. we're in the, like we said, we're sort of in the middle of the season, towards the end of the season. Right. How is the room working? How are the individual writers working? How is, the story, how is an episode broken? Well, usually it's like I have a draft folder in my email that has... You know, like kooky, like just ideas, you know, like uh, there are people who transport animals. Like if you buy a dog in Poland, there's somebody who can fly it here to America. That person who transports animals, that's weird to me. I've never, I didn't know that was a job. So me, so sometimes it starts with like, hey guys, can you think about this? Other times, obviously writers are coming in. Sometimes it'll be an article or something that's happening in the news. The people around us, not myself, but the people on the staff are very well read. They're always talking about political things that are happening. And, and so we find ideas in that. And and we usually have the staff go off and co- try to come up with some kind of take on it, you know? Like, what are the four or five big turns? Mm-hmm. And specifically within the blacklist, you know, if it starts out being the creep in the woods, you know, usually by the midpoint or partway through, you find out it's not that at all. It's not the creep in the woods. It's a diamond heist or it's something else. And so we kind of look for those big tentpole moments. Is that done as a group? Is that done in the room? Both. Okay. It's, it's usually done in, you know, like, we'll kind of split off. The room will do stuff, and they'll pitch ideas to John and I. John and I will go off. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it really is freeform. Like, we're not good at hierarchy and, like, these are the rules and you need to be, you know, the, uh, like, you know, uh, John Eisendrath's assistant uh, just wrote episode 12. Great. I had almost nothing to do with it. It's one of my favorites of the year. It's That's great. Awesome. I could care less who's who's writing it, you know, um, as long as the idea is great. And so, so, so everyone kind of comes up with ideas. We try to break them out. We try to see if we can find a shape for the episode. Is there enough there for it to be an episode? And then, and then it kind of sits there under the the heat lamp for a while until we figure out where it fits in the mm. serialized part of it. Because we're also it's one of the things I think is probably incredibly frustrating for anybody who works on the show, you know. You know, it's like, you know the, I look at it like looking at a, on a, going on a road trip and you look at the map and you go, we're going from LA to New York and we're going to stop in, you know, Phoenix and Chicago and Dallas on the way. And then you throw away the map and go, okay, how do we get to New York? And we kind of find our way. And so we have a blueprint of where we're going for the season. 
and it changes. But we need that spine to know where each episode's going to hang. Mm. So you might have a blacklister. It's like, okay, this is a great blacklister who goes out and, and uh, is, you know, uh, whatever, hides crimes, you know. Uh, th- there's somebody who facilitates crimes for a bad guy. Well, we have to look at the spine of the three or four episodes to go, oh, Red could use that guy to facilitate him, and then it plugs in. You know, so we're tr- – and, and sometimes they're shifting around episode – 18 and 19, I think, just flipped. We were like, ooh, what we were going to do in 18 actually needs to move. And mm-hmm. so that's that oftentimes is happening up until the very end. But we, we get a break usually within a week. Um, we're down now to where it can take us about a week to break an episode. We, um, you know, and then it goes off to script. And the, 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 uh, we, do, we do outlines more for ourselves than anyone. Like, the, it, you know, if, they, if all the ideas are there in the outline, we don't really care what it looks like or, you know, just like, if there's a certain line or whatever, so we try to we try to put together some kind of an outline, and then the writer goes off and does it, and we get a draft, and John and I will read it and and usually rewrite it. I mean, there, there's times where we don't, but we always mm-hmm. again, I'm still peeing on the tree a little bit, you know, and I'm well, sure that's, that's frustrating. That's but, part of the job. I mean, as uh, the creator, as the showrunner, it is. Yeah, they tend to touch every script. Yeah. I feel weird about that, but that's but that <laughs> is should. part of the. I, I get I've talked to seven hundred writers. This yeah, is how it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's we. I, I, I can only imagine that would be very difficult. It was difficult for me when I was doing mm-hmm. it, and you get rewritten, and I don't like that. Sure. But but it is part of, I guess, the voice of the show. You kind of right. you rework it, and and we're the guys who are there. I, it's a running joke, but our cars are the first two there, and the last two there in the parking lot yeah. at Paramount. And I guess that's just part of the job. But and, and then production gets a hold of the script, mm-hmm. and they go. There's no way in hell we can produce this. You have it written as the desert. We shoot in New York. We can't, you know, you have a whole heist that takes place in a tunnel. The city is in lockdown. So we go through, and then there's a whole process while we're in prep where, you know, we're like, all right, it's not the desert, it's a warehouse. And it's not the tunnel, it's, you know, and and we're trying to write to production. And we take a lot of cues from them. We, You know, they often say, uh, we can't do this, you know, rooftop chase scene. But we can do this. We have a cool, you know, mm-hmm. run of tunnels that we could do. And, and we're like, all right, great. So, you know, the action and that sort of stuff, we're constantly writing sure. to what production can do. Was that surprising to you coming from features? It was. Those kind of productions. Well, not really because I hadn't had anything made where I really <laughs> mattered. You know what I mean? Like Sorry. every, I've been fired on every job. So I'd <laughs> like to show part up. part of the job. I guess that's true. <laughs> that's true. But I'd show up and I'd be like hey, do you think I can go out on set there shooting the movie? And they'd be like, okay, you can come. And then, you know, either there's some other writer there or the actors are, like, introducing themselves, sort of like, oh, you're who? So I was never a part of it. I was never the guy where they're like, right. hey, how do you, is this scene coming together like you thought? So it's very weird, you know, that I'm very, I'm still very sensitive. I show up in New York, our writer's room's in L.A., and I don't know, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's a little bit of a disconnect just sure. because of how we do it. Of course. And I'm uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not super comfortable um, with the process yet. It's just, uh, it, it's, but it is one where the, the, the people in New York really, they really do always make, I'm always surprised by it. You know, we write mm-hmm. stuff and they make it look, they make us look good. You know what I mean? They make the show look good, it's big, both actors and the scope and mm-hmm. the music and all of that. Again, it's back to that sort of collaborative thing, um, which is just, like, fun to watch come to life every week, you know? Yeah, it's brutal, and it's, it makes my hair gray, but it's super fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, where the spinoff came from? Were you approached to do it? Did it come from in the room? Yeah, it... it 
again, in trying to think, like, let's kill Tom Keene, let's kill Tom Keene, and we didn't. There was an episode in season two where Tom, who's the school teacher, goes undercover in, like, this neo-Nazi skinhead group. And he shaves his head, and he, he's got, we see his muscles and all this crazy stuff. And it was a, it was a really wild transformation for mm-hmm. Ryan. I thought he was fantastic. And it was like, oh, wow, that's right. That's what this guy does. He goes undercover in different lives. And I think at that point, we knew by the end of season two, like, this could be kind of cool. And, you know, we wanted to do it. I, I think the, the studio wanted to do it. We talked about it. We kind of kicked the idea around. It's just there, again, I mean, I sound like all I'm doing is complaining, but there's just so much to do. It's just hard to find the time to do it. And we're like, we can barely get the 22 episodes done. So I'm not sure why we thought we could do another one in season three to set it up. But um, it just felt like it just felt like a right time. It was also like the right time for the character mm-hmm. in the show. You know, he uh, he's not really a husband. He's not really a cop. Like he fits in. He fills this weird space in the show. And so he's sort of found a place where it's kind of like he needs something big, a problem, something to happen because he has a woman he loves, he has a kid, and he's sort of become normal. So it's like time to rip him out of that. Sure. It feels like an organic time to do it. But it wasn't like a light bulb moment. Like, oh my God, we got to go do no, this right now. Natural progression. Yeah, I think so. The character to the world. I think so. It felt organic, yeah. Um, and then, so how did... It seemed like you guys knew what that show could be. How did you start to refine it? Well, we knew it couldn't be the James Spader show because there, sure. he only does his, you know, that's him. And we're not going to, we'd be idiots to try to duplicate that. And I was super sensitive about, with all respect to the other shows that are sort of duplicates of themselves, mm-hmm. because there's a great business template for that. And, you know, from everything from CSI to NCIS to the Chicago shows to, there's like a brand that they're selling. Mm-hmm. And it makes, you know, I, I, I'm just hyper, again, my... Heart is in indie films. So it's it's hard for me. Anything that smells like business kind of makes my toes curl a little bit. And so, I, I, you know, it, it, we wanted to do something that felt more like the Jefferson spinoff mm-hmm. or Maud or sure. something that kind of grew, again, organically from the show. So, um, again, it was like finding, find, and finding the character and then yet finding situations that would feel like they had part of the same DNA of the blacklist where it's like, each week we go after, on the blacklist, each week we go after criminals that you don't know exist. Well, in this show, they're a private military corporation, and each week they're contracted to go do the jobs that governments or wealthy people don't want to do or can't admit that they need done. So it kind of goes after criminals that you don't get to see mm-hmm. on every other show, and it has has that sort of same flavor, but it's it's uh, it's a little more sexy, it's a little more espionage, it's a little more alias or Mission Impossible, whereas, you know, with the Blacklist, we sort of have more of our, our dark crime show. Mm-hmm. So we're still, we're still finding it. You know, I'd be lying if I said we know exactly what it is, you know. Um, it uh, we're, we're figuring it out. That's kind of the fun of TV, isn't it? It's right. Like, you can figure it out as you, best case scenarios, you can figure it out as you yeah. go. I think so. And I think even though, I think that's right, and even though uh, like I said, I, I feel like I know what the end point of the blacklist is, but even knowing that, anybody, I think... Well, this is a blanket statement. That's not true. Mm-hmm. But but, but it, I, I do feel like, for me personally, there have definitely been times where I walk into the room and I needed to feel like to sell either the idea or myself, I needed to be confident to know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I was totally bullshitting. You know what I mean? Of course. And I know that they're <laughs> bullshitting, and I can now see it when a writer comes in and says, well, right. here's kind of what it is. I'm like... You're kind of bullshitting because yeah. you don't really know. And I think that's one thing I have learned in in doing this for these past four years has been like, 
to embrace the idea of the unknown, and it's super terrifying, but it's like, well, we'll figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 to trust the other people that we're right. surrounded with. You have that it. infrastructure in place. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. very cool. It, yeah. It's very cool to do that. Uh, you seem like a guy who, and this is unusual, likes the writing process. Um. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. It, it it I like it more now that I'm surrounded with other people, uh-huh. and um and I like it more now that I actually get to see the the episodes being made and see, sure. and see them produced. Absolutely, because I've done the 14 years where I saw one or two or three of them get made, and they weren't really the thing that I started yeah. out trying to do. It's or it is, you know, it's hard. I think it's hard for any writer in that way. So yeah, but I but I also I hate writing too. I mean, I really <laughs> do. I want to be part of that club. I should go on the record for that. But <laughs> but if I'm not doing it for a while, uh, well, let me back up. It, I I feel like I'm constantly seeing. Either that weird guy at the deli with the hair and the bag that makes me go, ooh, who is he? Or that situation on the plane where I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, my God, if this happens, we're all... Like, uh, that sure. stuff's always around me. And I, you know, my wife's kind of like, stop writing. She can see it, you know, when yeah. I'm kind of sitting there hatching something. Going, so, what if this? Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that's I, that part of my brain I can't really turn off. But the part of sitting down and breaking the story... It, it absolutely terrifies me each time. It really does. It, it, it's it really is scary. It's hard. So know? how do you how do you get in? What does a day look like when you are on script? How do you mean? How do I get in? To uh, do you sit down nine o'clock? Say I'm going to start writing. Is there a lot of pacing? No. Is there a lot of cleaning the house? What do you no. do? Well, when I would when I was working alone, right. there was a lot of like check the refrigerator, check the mail, absolutely. sit down for a little bit, and I would write to myself like I. I would, I'd sit at the keyboard and open like a scratch file mm-hmm. and just be like, okay, what if the guy on the plane had a bomb? And I'd write everything mm-hmm. that came into my head and, and then if I had a good idea, I'd put it all in bold and put it on, the, mm-hmm. you know, on its own line and then comb through hundreds of these pages trying to find a structure. And now it, it really is just, I mean, I say this like, it, it sounds like a joke. It really is just a clusterfuck. It really is just trying to get it done. It's like I show up and I try to work out Eisendrath gets in, the room shows up, and we're just like immediately like, what is the fire in front of us mm-hmm. that we got to put out? That's true. And right now it's a script that, that started prepping on on Monday, and it's now Wednesday, and we have a draft, but it's in bad shape. Wow. And, and production's like trying to figure out what are we prepping, what are these locations? And so it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of, you know, trying. Yeah. The hardest part, I think, with, with the, with just, being in charge is tr- finding the time to write because everyone else yeah. wants to talk about this casting choice or this right. actor or this other idea. So You're running a corporation. Yeah, it is. I guess so. Other choices to make. There really are. And I get seduced by those other choices. It's far Absolutely. more fun to go hang out in the editing bay and be like, let's change this cut or let's try that cue. That's far more fun than sitting there on these old shitty couches and being like, okay, what is act one? Uh-huh. That is hard all the time. But so that's it. I mean, I don't know that there really is a a shape of the day. You know, sure. some days are doing tone calls and talking about the, the way an episode should look, and I'm constantly juggling, you know, like there's little, you know, casting choices or music choices or things like that, but but we're also just trying to, like, you know, 
one episode is always being, well, a couple episodes are always kind of being broken. A couple episodes are in some form of being written, either polished up or working with production. Some some episodes are just like, you know, the idea of the guy at the deli with the hair in the bag, it, you know, or just a, a, the nugget of an idea. It's, I'm not giving you a good answer, but it's just, it really is just a mess. No, this, I, I, I wish this has been the answer. Is that right? From, That's what other people, know, people say? who have shows going. Yeah. It's a moving train. You yeah. just you just have to do the thing that's in front of you and hope you yeah. can steal an hour here and there I think that's right. to work on the script. Well, I'm glad to hear that's how everyone else feels. <laughs> I feel like there you should be... You need to talk to more writers. I really do. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, that's that's crazy because I feel like there should be a template. It should be easier in some way, but, <laughs> of course. but it's not. No. Yeah. In a hundred years of this business, we still Yeah, I guess that's right. Still can't figure it um, out. We'll just wrap up by asking. Uh, so... so Blacklist is ongoing. Redemption premieres when? Uh, it premieres February twenty third. Okay, at great. ten. This will be out right before that. So. We have a cool, yeah, great. We have a cool thing where we the blacklist runs right up. Our fifteenth episode stops, and then right after that is the first episode mm-hmm. of Redemption, and then there's like these eight episodes of Redemption, and then when we come back on the blacklist, it's like this two hour block oh, of nice. shows. So we have like these thirty episodes are like one run of shows. You know, in the past it's been. Or preempted, or you're off right. this week, or it's a repeat. There's enough episodes that there's there's not quite enough nights, so we, we're doubled up on some. And yeah, That's so February twenty third, I think it's going to be really fun. It's it's nice. it's a grand experiment, it's <laughs> certainly. That. Yeah. But look, I mean, how how fun to be a part of it, you know? Absolutely, super lucky, um, super lucky. Let me wrap up by asking you uh, what we always ask: Do you have time to watch TV? What are you watching? What is what are you excited <sighs> or inspired by? What's your room talking about? What are you and your wife talking about? Yeah. Well, the only thing that I I have on iTunes that that I know is sort of in the queue is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> so that's a go to to sort of totally check out. I hear that more than you would. Is think. that right? I think that show know, or just crazy that show specifically really? stuff like that because I, I think it. people just want to have that time to not think. Yeah, have a little entertainment in front of you, but to shut down. Yeah, I. So that's that's a guilty <laughs> or pleasure. Or maybe you're super invested. I don't know. No, I just love them. No, uh, no, it is it is sort of just mindless uh, fun. But I, you know, I I loved. I haven't seen all of Stranger Things, so every time somebody starts talking about it in the room, I'm like fingers in the ears, yeah, and and so I got to finish that. I can't wait to see what's the Netflix thing, the OA, the mm-hmm. AO. What's that one? The OA. I got to see that. That I can just tell by looking at the trailer. I want to dive into that. I don't know. I, I that's kind of wow. I gotta I gotta find a new show. <laughs> yeah, but I, I get sucked into any any kind of thriller thing, even if if you know it's maybe not going to be great. There's always like a great idea in there of why it got made, mm-hmm. and I'm a total sucker. I'll go to oh, any bad movie, movie, any great movie. I think there's um, a lot to be learned from a not good movie. But totally. that has a good idea. Because there's a great idea of why they said yes. Absolutely. And you know what? I'll, here's the better answer. I saw uh, La La Land. Mm-hmm. And that's the most recent thing. And I was just like bawling through it. I loved it. Something I totally couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Related with. I just, I loved it. That was that's amazing. That's, I think the something I couldn't do is a really interesting aspect of it. Yeah, totally. You don't, you don't tend to see the seams as much. That's probably right. Maybe we need to do like read the musical maybe that'll be our next that'll be our fall finale Um, John thank you so much for taking the time uh, I'm flattered thank you for even being interested to chat seriously it's very it's very cool now leaving nerdist.com